Well, hello, Patriots, Freedom Fighters, throughout Saskatchewan, across the country, and around the world. There are a few. What's going on? So I'm still not yet on the main Facebook platforms. I think I have two or three, two days, I think. Two days left uh, in sort of jail or probation, I guess you call it. Uh, where I'll be able to go live on my regular platform soon. That was 60 days. Be up here soon. Uh, I'll probably still keep posting to Canada First and uh, Mark Fries and Saskatoon Grasswood. Uh, but I'm also on YouTube. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitch. DLive. Uh, Odyssey and Rumble. Yes, Kelly Lloyd. I, I've been part of that club for a while. Oh, yeah, another 30 days for Rob, hey? Yeah, I seen you were running with your other profile there a bit, Sam Steele, I think. Yeah, it is what it is. Anyways, um, there's lots going on politically, both in Saskatchewan and federally as well. So I just want to open by saying this. We've never, in the history of our nation, ever had a PM that was so hated by so many. Yes, I know Papa Trudeau was, was hated, but not to the extent or to the degree that his offspring is hated. Um, and because of that situation, it's very easy, I think, for a lot of Canadians. I mean, history is a good indicator of what's going to happen in the future. And I think a lot of Canadians will find it easier to vote for the quote-unquote lesser of two evils. Um, and in this case, I think that's probably going to be Pierre Polivare. I think he's been tapped to lead the Conservative Party into the next election. And uh, so a lot of Canadians are going to be wooed by Pierre, his silver tongue, and... and uh, you know, I can't say he's 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 a dummy. Um, I would say his intelligence quotient is considerably higher than Sockboy's. Sockboy is one hundred percent puppet. So will Pierre. Pierre will be a puppet too. 
they all are. Um, but but he's more dangerous because he's more intelligent, more articulate, and lesser of the two evils, but still evil and still a globalist. And so um, serious times. Now, of course, we got some time before the next election. I'm sure I'm, I'm positive that Pierre Polivare is leader of the CPC will eventually uh, jump on his own foot and, and everyone who supports him, just like Shear did, just like O'Toole did. Um, and they'll be broken again. Um, I, I'm not sure what it's going to take for conservative supporters to get it, to understand that the CPC will never change. They are exactly who we thought they were. And another example of that, of course, is Joseph Borgo. Um, raised... $367,000 of the required 300000 So he was considerably well over that mark of 300000 which is insane to me, which is a pure money grab by the conservatives. I'm not even sure that Joseph will get that money returned to him. He may have to go to court to do it. Um, it's happened in the past where they've just decided to hang on to that money and force people to go to court to get it back. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But he, 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 he met that requirement. He also met the requirement of all the signatures that are required uh, for a run. And I think if I remember right, it was a thousand signatures or... 2,500? I can't remember. I apologize. But I think, I know for a fact that they made that, that requirement, whatever it is. So, um, and why do you think they treated Joseph like that? Um, very easy answer. Joseph Borgo has integrity. Joseph Borgo tells the truth. Um, Joseph Borgo stands against the globalist agenda. Joseph, Joseph Borgo is in favor of Canadian sovereignty and Canadians first. Um, that's why. That's why they eliminated him. Um, Joseph, <clears throat> based on, on my discussions with Joseph and Theo, who was running the campaign with Joseph, uh, they had some big plans in store. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna announce anything at all. It's not my place. But they had some big plans, and I can guarantee you that at the end of the campaign, um, Joseph Borgo would have been stealing most of Pierre Polivare's votes from Western Canada. I can almost guarantee it, based on what I know they were going to do. Uh, and yes, Joseph is an honest man. Absolutely is. Um, so, you know, that's why. And Joseph was 
not scared uh, to talk about the globalist agenda, not scared to talk about the World Economic Forum, not scared to talk about all these issues. Um, and that makes him unpalatable for a conservative party that is globalist. Now, again, I don't know how to get this through to conservative supporters. I don't know how to do it other than what we've continually shown them that has continually been proven to be so. I, I don't know what it's going to take. I really don't. But our country literally depends on it. Um, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. And so, you know, when we talk about globalists, and I've, I've hit Pierre on this uh, as much as I can, because I'm trying to force him to answer the question. Uh, I managed to put the same question to one of the Conservative Party MPs for Yorkton the other day in Esterhazy. And if, as some of you probably saw that the, uh, the video, um, me asking, um, uh, I'm trying to remember her name. I can't. Uh, but at any rate, I asked her the question, the same as I've asked Pierre. If you, as he has denounced the World Economic Forum, uh, he's denounced the Great Reset, he's denounced Klaus Schwab, and I just, I just read an article <laughs> uh, that Press Progress did, uh, pitting Pierre against Maxime Bernier. Because Pierre, which is fantastic, I love to hear this. Pierre is continually asked these questions. But again, the questions aren't necessarily the right questions. Uh, but asked him, to, to, you know, does he denounce the World Economic Forum? And he has. But it has to go further than that. The question can't simply be, do you denounce the World Economic Forum? Because it's bigger than that. The UN and the World Economic Forum partnered in June of 2019 to achieve the goals of sustainable development, not to achieve the Great Reset, to achieve the goals of sustainable development, the UN goals of sustainable development. Agenda 2030. That distinction has to be made at every turn because it's it's fine for Pierre Polivare to denounce World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, Great Reset. It doesn't mean a hill of beans if he doesn't denounce the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Those same goals, the party that he's running for, the Conservative Party, signed in 2015 made it law in 2008, signed the first time by a conservative government, uh, Brian Mulroney, the pre prime minister at that time. They are the party of globalism. They've brought it to us. They've made it law. They've signed it. So until Pierre Polivar denounces his party, that he's running for and denounces the agenda they're responsible for, 
His words don't mean a thing. Absolutely nothing. It is. It's everything. Like, you know what? I'm just going to pull it up. Um, uh, hang on a sec. Partnership. UN goals. So just so anybody watching um, knows that I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> uh, it's because, you know, they do. Um, all right. World Economic Forum and UN signed strategic partnership framework. The UN Forum partnership was signed in a meeting held at United Nations headquarters between the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres and the World Economic Forum founder and Executive Chairman Klaus Schwab to accelerate the implementation of 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. The partnership identifies six areas of focus, financing the 2030 Agenda, <laughs> which coincidentally enough, the UN back in 2012 had developed carbon tax as a mechanism for raising the funds to pay for the Agenda 2030. Climate change, health, digital cooperation, gender equality, and empowerment of women, education, and skills to strengthen and broaden their combined impact by building on existing and new collaborations. So this was, and it did happen, it was an agreement in June of 2019, as you can see right here, New York, 13th of June, 2019, the World Economic Forum and the United Nations signed today a strategic partnership framework outlining areas of cooperation to deepen institutional engagement and jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. The framework was drafted based on a mapping of existing collaboration between the two institutions and will enable more strategic and coordinated approach toward delivering impact. All right, so I don't have to show you any more of that. We've, we've verified it. Um, so what happened after that? Well, that was June of 2019. Then, six months later, they held Event 201, preparing leaders of nations and leaders of provinces and states within these nations um, to show them how this thing was going to work, how COVID-19 was going to play out and why it was going to play out. They set it all up through Event 201, right? And that was a thing that everybody could watch if you wanted to. It was, it's all there. We've all seen it. And then all of a sudden, COVID-19 hits. And then all of a sudden, Klaus Schwab writes a book out of the blue 
called COVID-19 and the Great Reset. So the Great Reset through the World Economic Forum is simply a marketing scheme. It's just rebranding sustainable development goals through another mechanism. That's all it is. It's window dressing. It means nothing. It's just another way to spin it. And I think part of me actually thinks that the Great Reset was created by Klaus Schwab to give opposition parties like the conservatives in Britain, like the Republicans in the States, and like the Conservative Party in Canada, cover so that they could easily denounce the World Economic Forum and the Mr. Evil from Central Casting, Klaus Schwab, to be able to denounce them, to make the appearance that they're against this globalist Great Reset. When in reality, it's the sustainable development goals that we have to focus on. And when we're asking these people, like Pierre Polivier, like Leslin Lewis, where they stand, don't ask them about the World Economic Forum. That's nothing. That's that's fluff. That's all that is is marketing, if it's marketing, or it's cover. Force them to answer the question on sustainable development because that's what it is. That's why the agreement was signed by the World Economic Forum and the UN, June of 2019, six months before COVID hit. And then shortly thereafter, we have the Prime Minister of Canada announcing to the world that they're using COVID-19 to achieve the goals of sustainable development. I don't know how I don't know how clear it has to be for people to understand what's going on. This is all about sustainable development. They've been working on this since the late 60s, since the Club of Rome was created by Rockefellers, Rothschilds, and a few others. They were created to develop sustainable development agenda. That's its purpose. Then the Club of Rome tapped Klaus Schwab in 1971 and created the World Economic Forum sponsored by the Club of Rome. So you see these two parallel organizations. And this is where we say, and it's true, this convergence of socialist communists with fascists, with big business, and this partnership between global governance and global business. This is fat, that's fascism. And it's the convergence. If you look at who is part of all of these groups at the UN, it's socialist international people, people that come out of socialist international. Have any of you seen the logo for socialist international? Here, I'll pull it up. 
It's a real organization. It actually exists. Socialist International. <sighs> so whenever you see a rose like this, that means socialism. That means Socialist International. It's been around a very long time. And these, th this organization has sent many, many, many people to chair committees at the UN in the development, in the creation and development of sustainable development goals. Because if you look at what they want to do, they want global governance from their position dictating to all of the nations around the world what they're going to do as far as policy. Policy in food, in consumption, in climate change, in behaviors, in social engineering, in, in conditioning the masses, in, in transgender and, and this, you know, 76 genders and soji and teaching uh, sex ed to, to grade two, two kids. Um, all of these things, the destruction of our economy in North America, the destruction of our industries like oil and gas and, and mining and logging and everything that the world still wants and needs, but is under attack. It's all coming from the UN. It's all coming from socialists and communists in the UN under this model, this global governance model. But in order for it to work, they needed to partner with big business. And that's what we're seeing. That's what's happening. <laughs> During the lockdowns in COVID, who gained the most out of all of these lockdowns? Amazon record profits. Bezos, record profits. Google, record profits. All of these multinational corporations, record profits. Because, which is why they agreed to this. Because they're the ones who stand to, 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 to be the elite to not be slaves, to not be serfs like the rest of us. Yeah, Walmart, Costco, all of these, right? So they brought all these together. So fascism and communism have merged. Communism and fascism, those two ideologies, which, by the way, are both on the left, they're both way over there on the left. They're both authoritarian. They're both totalitarian. The biggest lie we've ever been told is that Nazis are on the right, communists are on the left. No, they're not. They're all on the left. The Nazis were national socialists. They're all on the left. They're all totalitarian, authoritarian, big government, nanny state, government knows best, please depend on us. We'll look after you. Well, how has that worked throughout the 20th century? Responsible for the deaths of millions, which works fine for their depopulation agenda that they have, 
They've confirmed it with their own mouths. You just have to listen to Dennis Meadows, and I'm going to play it again because people have to get it. It's actually, it's it's pinned to my Twitter. Uh, give me a second. All right. I'm just going to play this. Uh, but in one way or another, we are so far, globally, we are so far above the population and the consumption levels, which can be supported by this planet, that I know in one way or another, it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. Uh, I hope that it can occur in a, a, a civil way. I, I, and I mean civil in a... So again, before we go any further and let this guy uh, promote his idea of genocide, this is a guy by the name of Dennis Meadows. He's a professor. He was a he's a co-founder of the Club of Rome, and he's a co-author to the book they put out, Limits to Growth. And their one of their overarching priorities, of course, is is uh, population reduction by any means necessary. Special way, I, peaceful. Peace doesn't mean uh, that everybody's happy, but it means that conflict isn't solved through violence, through, through force, uh, but rather in other ways. And so uh, that's what I hope for, um, that we can, I mean, the planet, can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. Unfortunately, you never have smart dictatorships. They're always stupid. So, but if you had a smart dictatorship and a low standard of living, you can have it. So, 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 <laughs> I, I don't need to hear any more from that that guy. So, what he's saying is, we need a dictatorship with a much lower standard of living. So, we need to live in hell. Essentially, is what he's saying. Or we need to kill off seven billion people, right? So I'm not making this up. Nobody's making this up. Nobody's theorizing. Nobody's making up a conspiracy theory. This was a conspiracy. These people did make these plans. They're written down. They're on paper. Um, he says it openly in an interview. His face, his voice actually say these words. This is the people that we're dealing with. These are the people that created the agenda that I'm talking about, that people need to understand. It's not just the World Economic Forum. It's not the Great Reset that Kenny loves to denounce, that Polavere loves to denounce, that conservatives across the board and Republicans love to denounce because it's easy to denounce that. But notice they will never denounce sustainable development goals. 
ever because they're responsible for it. They're the ones who signed us on to this agreement, to this agenda. In 92, it was Brian Mulroney, and I'll show you the proof to that too. And I bear with me because I know a lot of you folks know this stuff, but I'm doing this for all the naysayers that want to, you know, try to wiggle their way in to the little cracks they make for themselves. Mulroney signs agenda. There. Agenda 21. So this was <laughs> McLean's magazine, of course. Um, progress in Rio. Bush signs signing Earth Pledge, a plan to monitor nations, but a shortage of money. Mm -hmm. So progress in Rio, Earth Summit, United Nations, blah, blah, blah. Where does it get to the good part? Oh, environment Mr. Jean Charest. Hey, isn't he running for the conservative leadership right now? Yeah. Let's see. Agenda 21, a more than 700-page prescription for wide-ranging environmental and economic reform into the next century. Underlining Agenda 21 is the concept of sustainable development, which links environmentalism and economics to minimize the depletion of the world's natural resources. Right, and how do you do that? By depopulation, by communist policies, by a dictatorship. Anyways, uh, I want to get to the part where, oh, there we go. As expected, major Western nations, including the United States and Germany, made only vague financial commitments. Mulroney pledged $260 million from Canada to promote sustainable development and other aid for developing nations. That included the offer to forgive $145 million in debts owed to Canada by Latin American countries, providing that an equivalent sum of money is spent on sustainable development or social programs by the debtor nation. Does that sound like something a conservative government should be doing, spending all of our tax money dollars on other countries while we suffer uh, in this country? I think not. Anyways, I'm not going to go through all of this, but suffice it to say, Mulroney was the first leader of an industrialized nation to pledge his support for the Biodiversity Treaty. Asked why he differing in one Bush on with on with Bush on the issue, Mulroney told reporters, "We do not subcontract our rights and responsibilities to the United States. Canada's position won praise for conference, ex, from conference experts who said later that it helped rally support from such undecided nations as Germany and Great Britain, and saved the convention from defeat." Congratulations, Mr. Mulroney. So Mulroney, conservative 
prime minister, um, signed it on uh, in 1992 for the first time. Um, now, it was Harper. That gave us this lovely piece of legislation, the Federal Sustainable Development Act. Uh, in 2008, it was first created. And it's gone through its own, uh, you know, evolution. Um, yeah, this is this is more fluff. Yeah, during the Trudeau years, I have to go back and find the one there. This is the actual act itself, uh, assented in two thousand and eight. June 26th, that's during the Harper administration, the conservative government that uh, brought us <laughs> this law, which actually compels us as a nation to report our progress in achieving the goals of sustainable development to the UN. Does that sound at all like a sovereign nation? Does that sound like a government that is doing what is in the best interest of its nation and its people? I think not. Um, it was around this same time that Harper came back from a conference and made the announcement. Well, here, maybe I can find this too. I usually can. It's usually all there. Harper says... Canadians need to accept less sovereignty. Let's see what comes up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, sovereignty back on the agenda. You come to Harvard, come back, border deal. What sovereignty Harper says? Uh, motion to start changes the border trade. Uh, Harper defending Arctic sovereignty. New Canada in the Arctic. What did Prime Minister Stephen Harper and government protect sovereignty? No. They want to just talk about the Arctic here. I probably have to retype this. Maybe it was on YouTube. Give me one sec, guys. <laughs> yeah. What we have now seen is leaders come together and establish a framework for global governance, not a world government, but sensible governance. These measures are enacted and we continue to move forward with the G20 process. We will have the kind of global government governance that is necessary to ensure the stability and transparency of markets. 
And to the extent we now have a truly globalized economy, we need some semblance of global governance. That's what the G20 is. So if the G20 doesn't work, something else will have to, will have to fill that, that gap. Uh, so I, I believe ultimately everyone around the table will make it work. Would it be a fair description that you see the G20 essentially as a steering committee for the global economy? Yeah, I, I, no, I think that's turning global economic issues. I think that's what it is, Karen. I don't think, you know, we're not talking about world government. I, mean, I don't think anybody's going to come in and say yes, we're we prepared are. to surrender our sovereignty to the G20 or some other body. I know some people don't like it. It's a loss of national sovereignty, but it is a simple reality. It is a simple reality. Uh, that we are in a global economy. I, mean, I don't think anybody's going to come in and say we're prepared to surrender our sovereignty. I know some people don't like it. It's a loss of national sovereignty. Right. Because that's exactly what it is. And he knew it. Uh, but this is how they double talk. This is how they, they, uh, they double talk and convince uh, conservative supporters to continue to support them. And this is the arguments I continually hear from conservatives who are still, for in some reason, for some reason, in love with Harper. And Harper's responsible for two, making it law in Canada, the Sustainability Act, and signing again in 2015, September 27, 2015, we signed it again. One month later, Trudeau got power. And his first press release to Canadians was that Canada is a post-nation state. Well, he said that because we recommitted to this globalist agenda and that we'll be the first post-nation state because he understands the loss of sovereignty that Harper committed us to. I'm sorry, conservatives, but when are you going to get it? When are you going to understand that that party is done? That party is garbage. That party is finished as far as representing the needs of, of Canadians who share a set of values like freedom, sovereignty, justice, equality under the law, prosperity, and truth. Anybody hoping for those values to be protected? and defended with the conservatives are out to lunch completely. The conservatives are finished representing you. They represent a globalist agenda. They represent the UN sustainable development agenda. I don't know how, how, how much clearer we have to make this. This is why Joseph Borgo was turned down to run for the leadership because Joseph Borgo would have said these things in a debate. He would have talked about these things on a tour. Joseph asked me to come along to BC on a tour. And he knows what I'm all about. He knows the values that I cherish and want to defend. He knows I talk about globalism. That's my whole reason for being on social media. It's my sole purpose for having a, a, a live stream is so that people understand why the world is so crazy, why our leadership is so crazy, why our why parliament is so crazy.
why none of the conservatives stood up for two years during COVID to defend our rights and freedoms until it was politically expedient to do so. When the truckers finally forced their focus groups of the conservative party to finally say, yeah, it's okay to stand up now. Because they don't lead from the front. They lead from the rear. They wait for the media to establish the narrative. They wait for their focus groups to tell them it's okay. Then they do it. They lead from the rear. They don't lead from the front because they got, they're corrupt. Intellectually and morally corrupt. That's why they dumped Joseph Borgo. That's why they got rid of him. Because it would have hurt their golden boy, Pierre Polivare, and his chances. Borgo would have taken votes from Pierre in the West. And that's it. That's the long and the short of it. It's a party of globalists no different than the liberals. So don't tell me you're voting for the lesser of two evils, because you're not. You're voting for equal evil. Because globalist agenda is just that. The destruction of our nation. The destruction of our rights. The destruction of our freedoms. The destruction of our livelihoods. The destruction of our industries. The destruction of our sovereignty. The destruction of everything we claim to cherish. That's your conservative party. It's it's way past time you get it. I, I'm. You have no idea how frustrated I am to see people running around promoting Pierre Polivare like he's the second coming. He is just as globalist as the rest of them. He will never denounce his party for signing the Sustainable Development Goals because the party owns him. He can't stray from what the party says or he'll end up just like Joseph Borgo or Maxime Bernier or anybody else that wants to change that party from within. It is trash. It's garbage. It's a garbage fire. Get out of it. Stop supporting globalism. Stop supporting the agenda that's going to destroy our nation. Stop it. Use your brain. You have a God-given brain that you can use. Now it sounds like I'm giving all you guys shit. I'm not. <laughs> I just, I got to have some conservatives watching this to get, to pull their head out of their ass. To be blunt. Like here is just another example of another individual that wanted to change the party from within. That you guys always say, that's what we should do. That's what we should do. Go be part of the party and change it from the inside. Yeah, bullshit. Joseph Borgo is a perfect example of how that doesn't happen. Maxime Bernie is a perfect example of how that doesn't happen. Salim Mansour is a perfect example of how that doesn't happen. David Haskell is an example of how that doesn't happen. Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson is an example of why that doesn't happen. When are you people going to fucking understand? When are you going to get it? That this doesn't end until you end your support of this globalist entity called the Conservative Party of Canada. When are you going to get it? You're destroying my country until you do. 
You're destroying everyone's country until you get it and pull your support from them. I don't know what it's going to take. I have no idea what it's going to take. But it's something has to give. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. This political seesaw our country's been on for 150 years, conservative or liberal, it's got to end. It's got to stop. That's the only way we win. Or the West says, you know what? We've had it. Enough's enough. And, 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 and finish this thing called Canada, which breaks my heart to say. But it's getting close to the point of survival. It's getting to the point where these values we cherish can only be saved, maybe, by Western provinces. I said the other day in a video, Saskatchewan's going to save this nation from globalism, and I think we can. I think we can do it. I think there's an opportunity to do it. But you guys have to pay attention. You guys have to accept the reality that these establishment parties are finished. It's up to us. We have to finish them. We have to tell them we no longer accept this. We no longer accept you selling our sovereignty to the highest bidder in the foreign market. We have to stop this. You, you keep repeating what we're doing and wondering why it doesn't change. You get pissed off at the liberals? Oh, well, now we vote conservatives. Then you get pissed off at the conservatives, then we vote the liberals. It's insane. They're both globalists. 100% unequivocal. The conservative party will never change. Ever. It sold its soul way back way back John Diefenbaker the last prime minister the last nationalist prime minister of Canada the last prime minister that actually gave a shit about our borders that actually gave a shit about the people of Canada he's the last one and guess what he's from Saskatchewan believe it or not imagine that he's the last one after that it's been globalist after globalist after globalist it's all documented. It's all there for everyone to see. The Conservative Party of Canada is junk. It's garbage. It's globalist, just like the Liberals. Completely junk, globalist. I don't care who the leader is. It doesn't matter. They're not going to change what that party is and represents. And the sooner you conservative folks, and I don't, I don't even care conservative, just Folks that share the same values as me, as a majority of Canadians, freedom, liberty, justice, sovereignty, equality under the law, prosperity, and truth. If you share those values, dump the establishment, not just federally, provincially too. Garbage fires everywhere politically because we're letting them, because we've given up our responsibilities. We've given up and, and given it to politicians to sell us down the river. 
of globalism. We have to stop this. We have to use our God-given brain to get out of the track that they have you on, that you feel you need to vote conservative because Trudeau's so bad. The grass is no greener on the other side of that globalist fence. It's exactly the same thing. And you guys got to get it and wrap it around your head. Watch. Pierre Polivare will be the leader of the Conservative Party. John Charest is in there just for theater. Nobody's going to vote for that guy. He's there for theater. To sh as a show that there's opposition. Pierre's done. It's done. It's over. Pierre's in. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. The same thing you saw with Shear. The same thing you saw with O'Toole. They campaign saying nice, pretty words until they get elected. And then it's over. And you bought it again. And you have buyer's remorse again. Stop it. Just stop it. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Phil, Phil Primo says, ever since my 14th jab, I've been having dreams about John Jure. Yeah. Well, they are sellouts. They're political sluts. Absolutely. 100%. So, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a long time before the next federal election. Uh, of course, we have to pay attention to what's happening, and we have to we have to we have to get through to our conservative brothers and sisters. We have to get through to them so they understand what the hell's going on, and 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 stop them. That's up to us. We have to do this, and and and. Like I said, there's there's a number of maybe two or three years before the next federal election. Here's what I think's going to happen. I think I think Trudeau's days are numbered. I think even the Liberal Party understands that. I think he's finished. Um, we've never hated our country has never hated a prime minister more than it hates the prime minister right now. It's never happened. In fact, the government has never hated its people as much as it does right now. It's never happened. Um, so I think his days are numbered. I think they recognize that. And I think they'll be in damage control. I think you'll see Trudeau resign in a year or two, maybe less, who knows? And maybe a year, maybe, maybe two. Um, and then I think you'll see Mark Carney come in, uh, as the savior of the liberal party. And he's a scary dude. He's full on globalist, of course. Uh, but very intelligent, very articulate, uh, a complete 180 from the douchebag that's running the Liberal Party now. Um, but very evil, probably more evil than even Trudeau. Trudeau's too stupid to be too evil, right? Uh, he's just a puppet. He's That's all he is. He's a puppet with a family name um, and a drama teacher. So um, Carney actually has a brain, which makes him worse. Uh, so I think that's what you'll see. And then they'll call an election and, uh, you know, who knows?
maybe Polavir gets in. Maybe Canadians are just sick of the Liberals and they'll jump over to Pierre Polavir. I hope not. We have a couple of years to change this. Um, but I'm telling you, for me, my focus is, is going to be, a, a lot of it is going to be provincially. Because in Saskatchewan especially, we still have, we're a, we're a pretty special province where the people who share all these values and a lot of that is rural country folk, farmers, ranchers, you know, the salt of the earth type folks who don't want to see that gone, uh, who still have faith, who still, you know, act like Christians, um, who still have community. They still talk to each other. Um, and in Saskatchewan, that's still around 50, 50 between rural and, and, uh, Urban. There's really only two urban centers in Saskatchewan, that's Saskatoon and Regina. The rest are, you know, smaller cities, towns that I still consider mostly rural because it's mostly rural folk that run those places. Um, and, and that type of, you know, way of life. And so we have a real opportunity in Saskatchewan to, to lead the country in denouncing and and defending ourselves against the globalist agenda, we can still control our government. We saw that uh, a few months ago when when Scott Moe was the first premier to announce lifting the mandates and restrictions. He did it because most of his base, the, Sus the Saskatchewan party, establishment douchebags, most of their base is rural. And their base... Um, donated 10% of what they'd normally donated at the same time previous years. So that's what forced Mo to be the first premier to announce their lifting restrictions. And what happened after that? Kenny immediately the next day announced he's lifting restrictions. In fact, sooner than Mo. Um, so you saw these guys scrambling and then, you know, a week or two down the road, Ford announces, and Manitoba announces, so all the dominoes sort of fell. Well, who led that? The people of Saskatchewan led that. Who also played a significant role in the convoy, this massive, uh, beautiful convoy. Um, you know, Saskatchewan, of course, punched above its weight in that as well. Um, so that's why I, I say what I say. Saskatchewan has this, this opportunity. And and so we have to, I'm going to focus a lot of my energy provincially. And there's lots of hap, lots of things happening provincially um, with these different entities that are wanting to be parties. And with the Buffalo Party electing their leader, Phil Zajac, we had him on the show here a while ago. Um, and we're, we're going to see how this fleshes out. Um, but I, I'll say this much. The, the party that, the cream that rises to the political top of the heap as far as an alternative to the establishment SAS party and NDP is going to be a party that isn't afraid of the truth. It's going to be a party that isn't afraid to be honest with the people of Saskatchewan, that isn't going to be afraid to talk about globalism that isn't going to be afraid to talk about the UN sustainable development agenda or isn't afraid to talk about the world economic forum, Klaus Schwab. It's going to be a party that has courage 
and wants to represent the people of Saskatchewan and their best interests in industry like oil and gas, like farming, like ranching, like potash, like uranium, like all of these industries that is the life force of this province. The unions are not the life force. They are the life-sucking entities of this province. And they have to be put in their place. And they have to be told, yes, you, you have a role, you have your place, but you're not going to run our province. You're not going to hold the people of Saskatchewan hostage. The party that stands up with, with that and has the courage to do it and not fall for the woke and not fall for any of this, like Governor Ron DeSantis does, that's the party that's going to rise to the top. If you're scared to tell the truth, if you want to be politically correct, you're heading in the wrong direction. The party that rises to the top is going to be the party of truth, is going to be the party of courage and the ability to say no to the woke. That's who's going to be successful. And that's the, the alternative party that's going to rise to the top. And uh, we'll see how that flashes out here in the next little while. Um, so I've, I've, I've talked to the Buffalo Party. Uh, Phil Zajac had him on the show. I talked to Daryl Cooper with True North Saskatchewan Party. Um, I've, I've invited um, um, Ken Rutherford from the, I think they're officially the Saskatchewan United Party. I've put out the offer um, and I've yet to, to um, get acceptance to that offer. So they, they haven't, they haven't come to talk to us yet, but um, <clears throat> maybe some of them are listening to this and maybe they'll contact me and, and uh, you're, you're more than welcome. I want to give my platform to any of these groups whenever they want it. So the people of Saskatchewan can see what you're all about and, and we can flesh out some of these ideas. So uh, I, you're welcome at any time. And I, I, I would hope that you would, uh, accept that invitation as the other two entities already have. Uh, yeah, it's United Grassroots. They've now converted it to, um, I think, United uh, Saskatchewan United Party or Unified Party. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't want to, you know, whatever. Uh, but something along those lines. Um, again, more than welcome to... Come on, if it's Ken or if it's uh, Lee Noble, uh, whoever, who, any, if it's Nadine Ness, uh, anybody that from that entity that wants to uh, come over and have a chat with me, you're more than welcome. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat uh, the discussion or the questions. Um, it's gonna be an honest conversation, like it was with the previous two. So uh, be prepared for that. Yes, Saskatchewan people are good at saying that, Murray. And and I love Saskatchewan people for that. Um, yes, no to the woke, Aaron Stacy, 
Go woke, go broke. Yes, Alberta could use another client for sure. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So anyways, um, that's that's kind of what I wanted to say today. I was um, kind of a boiling cauldron before I came on here just because I, of how they've treated Joseph Borgo. Um, he could have really shaken things up. Again, I'm not surprised. Uh, I, I'm not surprised at all that they did this to him. Um, they are globalists, and that's what globalists do. The globalists do not want the truth. The globalists do not want to talk about the truth. Um, it's all this perception game. It's all this narrative building. Uh, has nothing to do with the truth, nothing to do with integrity, nothing to do with representing the people of Canada. Uh, it's all to do with with doing what the puppet masters uh, want you to do, uh, both at the UN and the World Economic Forum. So, uh, Gary Reed, whoever gets in will buy into the money for themselves. Well, no, and that's where we come in, Gary. That's where we have a job to do, that we have neglected for decades to hold these politicians accountable. We, the people, have the power. We have to use that power. We have to re-engage ourselves. You know, it's funny. It's interesting how, how people are, right? Even in Saskatchewan, you know, you have parties that are trying to offer Saskatchewan an alternative. And I don't care which one. It's whether it's Buffalo, True North, or, or United. Um, you have people that are genuinely trying to offer the people of Saskatchewan an alternative. But each one of these entities have trouble recruiting people that will go door to door. They have trouble recruiting people that will get active, that will get engaged to help spread the message, to help spread the information. You know, it's all real easy to sit back and bitch and whine and complain it's a lot harder to actually get engaged to hold our politicians accountable. That takes work. That takes energy. That takes focus. And there's a lot of people that aren't willing to do that. That's the reality. And because that's the reality, you see politicians for years taking advantage of that situation. And turning corrupt because we've allowed them to, because we don't hold them accountable. When is the last time, even in my own writing, when Kevin Waugh held a town hall to explain to the people he represents what he's been doing? When was the last time Kevin Waugh showed up to a rally? When was the last time Kevin Waugh showed up to, to tell his constituents what he's been doing? It never happens. Because people don't demand it. Because people don't pay attention. Because people are apathetic. And it's that apathy that's going to ruin our country. It's going to ruin our province. If we don't fix it. If we don't get re-engaged. So we can't just blame human nature. That it's corruptible. We have to ensure that they're not corrupted. That they don't go astray. We have to do that. That's our responsibility. So I, I'm, I'm not accepting this idea that it's only the politician's responsibility. Bullshit. We got to hold them accountable. That's our job as a citizen. 
That's our job as a patriot to hold our politicians accountable. So we have to re-engage. We have to take back our responsibility. Yes, Aaron, absolutely. Yeah, right. TV watchers don't go to rallies. No, they don't. TV watchers wear masks. TV watchers also listen to the radio, wear masks, and get, you know, 14 jabs. Absolutely right, though. I don't necessarily disagree, Brent. I think you make a very good point. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. Yes, Karen, we all have to get involved, 100%. Yes, 100%. I, I, I love it. You guys are, you know, this is it. That's why I love you guys so much, because you're all such wonderful critical thinkers. Uh, yes, that too. Yeah, that too, Brent. Yeah, there's there's no question that's that's part of it. And it's a little ridiculous, but it is what it is. That's the reality, but um, you know, we'll do what we we'll do what we can do. Anyways, guys, uh I've been on rambling and ranting for over an hour. Um I just, I had to get off my chest. Please share this out so some people maybe start thinking. I don't know. But Joseph Borgo got a, got a bad deal. Uh, it's just another in a long line of examples um, what the conservatives are, what they represent. And uh, we have to, we have to change this. We, we can't. We can't stay on this merry-go-round of liberal conservative governments. We just, we can't. If we do, we're finished. Absolutely finished. And, uh, you know. Anyways, I still have hope. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be on this thing. Uh, I'd be in a cabin in the woods somewhere. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I still have hope. I, I still believe. We can turn this around. And, uh, you know, I think other countries are starting to wake too. Um, and, and you know, it's happening there too. So um, we're not alone in all of this as a country, but we have to take care of our own. And the only ones that are going to do it is us. So um, anyways, on that, guys, um, Cabin in the Woods is next. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, man, Gary, it's, uh, it is what it is. All right. Remember, globalism bad, nationalism good. Ciao for now, guys. Love each and every one of you. Stay cool. All right. What's going on here? There we go. All right. Have a good night. Ciao for now.
it's fun, but get ready to pay your dues. Oh God, come back home. This crazy world is paralyzing and abusers. We need you now before we're too far gone. I hope one day they finally see the truth. God, we need you now.